Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A Dream Mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a Dream Mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner Dream Mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. And today I have a trained, brilliant, motivational, inspirational, and spunky and powerful guest. Today, my guest is Megan Fenyo. She is a licensed clinical social worker, a motivational speaker, a mindset coach. She's also a veteran and an owner of Mission Strength. Through coaching, leadership, consulting, and speaking engagements, engagements, she has helped hundreds of people accurately assess their challenges and identify ways they can change and capitalize on the strengths they already have. Megan and I dive into her journey, her story, the challenges, the, the difficulties and the things she's overcome, which there are some good ones and things that I think we can all relate to, and how she got on the other side, and how more than anything, she learned that she was enough, and how she's now working to teach other people that they are also enough. Let's get into this episode. I know you're going to get a ton of value. Welcome, Megan Fenyo, to the Dream Mason podcast. Let's get into it. Hey, Megan, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Was I, am I correct in seeing, I think I saw you today, you were lying by the pool? Living the- I, I was. My friends are in from Michigan, and I just took the day to be able to hang out with them. Um, so it's been awesome. It's a gorgeous day here in San Diego. Nice. Well, I love that because I, I happened to see that like not that long ago, and I was like, right, she's, we're about to do our podcast She's lying by the pool. This is a dream Mason kind of life. This is a life that is created that you envisioned and you built. Exactly. And I'm so very thankful for it. Well, I'm glad I saw it because we got to touch on it. And I want to, I think the journey, something that I found really interesting about you and something that I think that I think I like can touch on or, or will land for everybody listening is the journey that it took you to get to the life that you're creating now is vastly different from the life that you've maybe endured or moved through or lived. You know, Mm -hmm. you shared with me, you're, you're not, you're, you're young for lack of a better, you're, you're a young (laughs) person. And in your life you've endured or gone through bankruptcy, a marriage and a divorce where there was an affair, Mm -hmm. not uh, a voice in your head of not enough. Yeah. You grew up in an abusive household. You were diagnosed yep. with learning disabilities. And when you were in high school, your college or your college guidance counselor said, don't even bother going to college or don't, you shouldn't even want to go to college. Am I right, right about all those things? Exactly right. So how does one get from there to the woman that I'm talking with? And who, is, who are you? Who, you know, share with, with the audience. Well, when you put it that way, man, there's a lot of struggles there. And... You know, it's something that I'm very mindful of um, and in a crazy way, very thankful for, because I truly believe that if it wasn't for the struggles that I've gone through in my entire life, I wouldn't be here today. And so I've been a mental health therapist for a little over 15 years. And my, like you had said, my guidance counselor in high school told myself and my parents never that I shouldn't go to college because I was never going to graduate. Um, I have an eighth grade reading level and a ninth grade math level. And it was his voice in the back of my head all through college that gave me the motivation to get through college and then to get my master's. And I was so empowered when I got my master's degree and sent him a copy (laughs) of my diploma along with a letter And basically the gist of the letter was, you know, don't ever tell someone, especially a high school student, that they can't make, create the life that they want. 
because I'm, I'm doing it and I'm living proof. And growing up in such an abusive household, the one thing that my parents did do was that they were behind me a hundred percent when it came to my schooling. So it wasn't that I was punished for not getting good grades, which was really difficult to understand as an adult when I started doing my work through my abuse and all of the trauma that I endured from that. Um, But it is something that I have to be thankful for, that they always supported me in regards to my education and my career. So growing up, I had a lot of feelings of not being good enough. Um, I had a lot of self-esteem issues. You know, when you're, you know, grow up in a household where it's really chaotic and you're kind of walking on eggshells, it catches up to you, obviously. Um, And going through college, you know, having to struggle, I had computers that would scan my reading and, you know, had to take um, my exams in a separate room and extra time and all of that. I just, I never felt like enough. And it wasn't until um, I got into my career as a mental health therapist where I really started to, you know, flourish. And I also realized that, hey, I needed to do my own work personally on the things that I had gone through in my life. So I began my own journey in therapy when I was in my 20s and really started to recreate who I was. And, you know, through my 20s and early 30s, I never really, I mean, I dated, but on and off, but I was really focused on my career because I was very, very blessed. As crazy as it sounds, you know, having learning disabilities and struggling, um, I became, you know, working for the government at age 23 and was just really empowered by that. So that really, you know, started my self-esteem to grow. But personally, I was ignoring what I was going through in my personal life because I was like, oh, my career's good. So I'm just going to put this Band-Aid on what's going on in my personal life and just focus on that. So when I was 33, I made the crazy decision um, to join the Air Force as an officer um, because I was searching for happiness. I was searching for something else because there was such a huge void in my life in regards to my personal life, but I didn't know how to deal with that. So I was like, well, let's just figure out something else to do in my career. So at 33, I moved from Michigan to Northern California and was stationed at Travis Air Force Base and provided mental health and substance abuse treatment to active duty members. There is when I met my husband and it was a whirlwind of a romance So on top of trying to learn, you know, how to salute people, (laughs) how to do the Air Force um, world, I met my now ex-husband and it was a whirlwind of a romance and we got married and we were married for about two and a half years and 14 months of that marriage, he had an affair. So I found myself extremely alone in Northern California with no family, hardly any friends, because I had moved there and then met him and it was just really focused on him. And at that point, now that I look back, that is when I really truly started to lose myself because I've always been this very social person. I love networking and I love meeting people. And I was so fixated on wanting someone in my life that I allowed all of this to happen and I started losing part of myself. So we got divorced um, two years ago. Um, It was not my choice. You know, I had made a commitment to him and wanted to work through it because I value, you know, what marriage means. And when I was going through that process of the affair and the divorce, I literally hit rock bottom. And there were so many moments where I could not get out of bed. I was a therapist and struggled with how can I be a therapist and help patients when I literally cannot get out of bed in the morning, when I would drop to my knees and cry and just felt like 
I wasn't good enough. That whole theme came right back up. Like, I'm not good enough. Why would someone, you know, cheat on me? I'm not good enough. And so I started working um, through my pain again and literally was developing a, a, a process that I didn't even realize at the time. Um, so fast forward to September of this past year, 2017, I had taken a job transfer from Northern California to San Diego. Um, I was working at a hospital doing mental health therapy and was feeling this nudging, you know, feeling in my gut saying you're meant for more. And during my healing process of the affair, I just started working like crazy, um, working at the hospital, starting a private practice. And I was ignoring this nudging feeling. And finally, I was able to identify what it was. And it was the fact that I was not meant to stay in Northern California and I was meant for something more. That caused a whole lot of emotions because it's scary when we you know, identify those feelings and say, what do we do with this? Because I was stuck for so long. And so I made the decision to move to San Diego and took a job transfer. And then in September, um, I actually lost my job um, after being a mental health therapist because I posted a Facebook Live video about whole food nutrition. And I was like, okay, can I just get a break, please? <laughs> like trying to follow my gut and trying to like, build a life that made me happy. And then I lose my job. Here it is six months later. And honestly, losing my job was the best decision that could have happened to me. Um, I have, you know, filed for bankruptcy in the last couple months. I, you know, was making a lot of money at the hospital, but I wasn't happy. So I just jumped into entrepreneurship and continued to work on, you know, working on my struggles personally and really trying to find out what my passion and my purpose is and how am I going to get through these negative thoughts and these negative feelings to be able to impact others and make a difference. And it has been the most difficult journey, but the most amazing journey. Yeah. It sounds like a roller coaster. I'm sitting yes. over here and I'm like, oh, here she goes. And then it's, you hit another, you know, dip. Mm-hmm. The thing that, that as I listened to your stories, I, as you shared it with me the first time we talked and as I listened to it again now, the thing that I'm most in awe of is what gives somebody the strength to keep getting up. Mm-hmm. And look, everybody has the roller coaster life. That life is a roller coaster. Just mm-hmm. you know, we, nobody's life is is perfect on all highs, and, and and likely nobody's is all lows. But you know, when you were a kid and these things were happening, and you were in an abusive household, and you were getting diagnosed, and you're the people that are supposed to be your advocates, like a guidance counselor, is against you, mm-hmm. and you have this voice in your head that's saying that you're not enough, or you're not good enough, smart enough, whatever. How did you actually? keep going forward to do, to go for, you didn't have to go to college. You didn't have to get a master's. You could have done a million other things that would have uh, appeased that voice mm-hmm. and all the evidence that you likely were collecting. That is such a good question. Um, I just have been, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my gut intuition you know, whatever it is, my relationship with God, whatever it is, I literally have just had this passion to help others. And unconsciously, I truly believe it's what has driven me um, because I just have kept going. It hasn't been the most appropriate and most, you know, best way to keep going because I, I, I've noticed throughout my life, there's been a lot of times where I've just put band-aids on things and haven't really worked through them. But when I realize that, then I really do the hard work, you know, the hard work of 
identifying what's not working in my thinking, in my life, where do I need to change? Um, and so I just had this drive and I've been really blessed like that by that, because like what you said, I could have just gone with not going to school and just working a full-time job and not truly being happy. But there's just always been this, this drive in me to be able to do that. And I didn't ignore it. I think that's the big piece is that I have never ignored it, even with the fears that I've had about what is, what is going to play out when I follow this. What's the biggest fear that you've accumulated along the way? Like I, I, I'm, I'm picturing like you've gone through all these things and the things we go through in life create evidence for the stories we have in our head. That voice that's telling you you're not enough is, these are all great pieces of like, see, here's more evidence. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're huddled all around a fear. Mm-hmm. I What's agree. fear for you? That I'm going to fail and then I'm going to disappoint people. That's mine too. Mm-hmm. And isn't it funny that it's not that I'm going to disappoint myself, which is something that I'm working on right now, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. is that I'm going to disappoint other people. Yeah. No, it, I, I get it. It's, mine is the same. It's not about mm-hmm. disappointing myself. I'm like, well, I'll just be sucking over here all by myself. Yeah. But it's, everyone else is going to be like, oh, for mine, it's, oh, he had so much potential. Mm-hmm. And, blew it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I had a really hard time with that, those thoughts when I did not go back to my full-time job in September and went into entrepreneurship. And it wasn't, I knew that I, I know that I can do it, whatever that looks like, but I was so worried about what are people going to think? What do you do with that? Because that's really common. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. I think about that. I know I have clients that think about that. You know, almost, I would say most people have some version of that. It might be their parents. It might be other people. It might be mm-hmm. the community, but it's a, it's a thing for people. What do you do with yep. it? I, it just depends on the situation because sometimes I use that as a motivational tool for me and it empowers me to want to work very hard, then I have to use my mindset skills and remind myself basically, simply, what does it matter? What does it matter what people think? As long as I'm doing what makes me happy, as long as I'm able to help others, and as long as I'm passionate about what I'm doing, that's all that matters. Do you actually go through that, those questions that you just said? All the time. All the time. I have what's called a challenging beliefs worksheet that I actually give my clients, but I've been over the last six months really have been using them myself where I challenge a negative thought and I go through this process of reality testing. And is this, you know, am I catastrophizing? Am I, you know, what is the evidence towards my negative thought? And nine times out of 10, there's no negative, there's no evidence towards my negative thought. And so then I'm able to recreate a different outcome so that when I have this thought in my head, I can say, nope, this thought is not correct. And how do I know this? Because I've tested it. There's no truth to what I'm thinking. And this is what I say to myself instead. Can we do that right now? Is it something that we could do like for someone that's listening could actually see what it looks like in a real life example? Yeah, of course. So the first thing you want to start with is describing an event or belief that leads to an unpleasant emotion. So for me, let's just do that. I'm not enough. Okay. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so the stuck point I've thought that a hundred times, thousands of times in my life, from childhood to high school to in my 20s, and then most recently with my marriage. And even when I lost my job, like, I'm not good enough. What is wrong with me? 
then you go through a process of questions. What is the evidence for me thinking I'm not good enough? Is there true evidence? What is the evidence against? So here you really look at who has told me that I'm not enough? There's absolutely no one in my life that has told me I'm not enough. Yes, my guidance counselor told me I shouldn't go to college, but he didn't say I wasn't enough, that I'm not good enough. How, does, how do you, when you're doing this, because mm-hmm. I have it that somebody's going to do, just going to follow this and they're going to hit this point right here where they go, well, they're going to, I'm trying to think of a way to say this so it's super clear, but I think it is the way I'm going to say it, which is we make meaning, things happen and we make meaning out of them, right? Like mm-hmm. your husband cheated. Mm-hmm. That's the fact. That's actually all that happened. And then you apply meaning to it like, I'm not good enough. That's evidence for I'm not good enough. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So from outside, we can see that. You and I are super clear. Hey, it doesn't, that's not actually what it means. It could have nothing to do with you at all. That could be all his stuff. And, and this is everywhere in life we do this. We're mm-hmm. late for something and it means something versus us just being late as the thing. How does somebody identify as they're doing this, the thing that comes up as not real? Because they could go, no, look, that does mean I'm not good enough. That's evidence. Look, it's a fact. And so there's actually this challenging belief worksheet that I have on my website because it's hard to explain on here without looking at the worksheet. Okay. Because you go through, so this whole process, there's like eight different questions that you go through where you're challenging your thoughts. Then you go to, am I exaggerating? Or am I, you know, is this, um, is this emotional, right? Because we don't want to make judgments and thoughts about ourselves in our emotional mind. And then the worksheet goes through changing that to an alternative thought. Okay. So it. there's all these different questions that you go through that honestly, because I totally hear what you're saying and, and asking the question because yeah, like exactly right. Like those things happened. Everything that you said happened, which is why of course I would feel like not enough. But I go through these specific questions. Like, is this an all or none thought? Yes, this is an all or none thought. Why? Because I wasn't that marriage wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was that he was not in the place where he could be faithful. So that doesn't mean that I'm not good enough for anything or anyone. It doesn't mean that I wasn't good enough in the marriage. It was that he was not able to be faithful for whatever he, whatever he's going through, right? Like whatever his issues Mm -hmm. are. Yeah. And then one of the questions is, is the source dependable? So if someone is telling you that you're not enough, who is that person? What's going on for them? So many people, and like, especially like for ourselves, like, am I, am I dependable at this moment to say I'm not enough? And when I started saying that to myself, every single time I said it was when I was going through something traumatic. So no, I, as the source, was not dependable to say that to myself. What do you do do when, because there are people, obviously, that would say things like this to other people, right? There's parents Mm -hmm. that would tell their kids that they're terrible or they're failures, and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality of a world we live in. Mm -hmm. And there's teachers that would say horrible things to students, and these are likely the minority, but it does Mm -hmm. happen. So. Mm -hmm. If the, per- if the person was somebody you respected, you know, you had a successful father who was verbally abusive and the way he verbally was abusive was, hey, you suck, you're terrible, you're a failure, you know, versions of that. that obviously, it could get way worse. Mm-hmm. How does someone go, they're not reliable? Was the word reliable as a reliable source? Or de- um, source de- uh, dependable. Yeah. How does someone go that that, how does someone look at their quote unquote successful father who did all these things, but yet was maybe not the best parent? 
as a mm-hmm. not dependable source. You just said it because he was successful, but what was going on behind closed doors, right? And so this is work that you do in therapy or with a coach is looking at that, how dependable was your father, which is very difficult to look at because this is kind of where the aha moments come from in the work that we do is that, yes, your father was successful, but he was wearing so many masks because a successful, happy, confident person would not make others feel less than what they are. And so that source is not dependable because there was obviously issues going on for him. We don't know what those issues are, but when we really reality test and look at that, a person who loves you and who literally is happy and successful does not treat others negatively. Yeah. And what I get from the way you just explained it is Mm -hmm. when we look at it on our own, this could be really challenging. Exactly. Because we can't see outside of our own stuff. Mm -hmm. And people that have worked with coaches or therapists, I think, see that. Or even if you've sat with a friend, a really honest friend, and explained yourself, they might go, hey, that's not actually what happened. You know, a lot, exactly. of friends, a lot of friends don't do that. A lot of friends just agree with us, which is mm-hmm. why they're not always the best place to take our stuff. Right. But that's what I'm getting is from this, to, even though this is a tool that you could work through your, yourself, it's actually more empowering to work through it with somebody because there are spots where you're going to go, you're going to look at success as the, as the truth. Mm-hmm. Instead of what you just said is, hey, there is other stuff. It's not just what's on the surface or what maybe society deems as successful. Because we could look and I would say that person wasn't successful. If you treated your kids like that, I don't wouldn't look at you as a success. Exactly. And I don't look at my, hus- my ex-husband as a success. He is so successful and he has, you know, so much monetary things that people see, but he's not successful. No successful person would do what he did. And what you had said is, you know, having that help to go through this. I mean, I started doing these challenging belief worksheets in my twenties with a therapist. Now I have my own personal coach who is trained in these. And I still, I have worksheets that I still write out to this day if I'm really stuck on a, on something and I'm a licensed therapist and a, and a mindset coach. And I still have to do these with someone that's, you know, not a friend or a family member. And yeah, so it's just, it's powerful. It's so powerful. So how do you, I love, I love that you just described like, Hey, you, you have a coach you also do work with and have worked with therapists for, on, for mm-hmm. yourself and you do these things as your own career. Yes. What's the, so, kind of, some people would, would look at it and, or how do you actually get other people to see the value that you see? Because you clearly see the value in not only doing the work yourself. Mm-hmm. You do the work on yourself and you support other people because a lot of people would, don't, don't see it like that. I don't know if I'm saying that super clearly. There's, there's, there's a lot of value in the fact that you're going out there in the world and getting all these things for you so you can also give to other people. Right. How do you help or support other people to see that? Because there's a ton of people in the world you know, therapy's been around for a while, and I would say only in the last 10 years is the stigma slight, like, downgraded. You know, 20 yeah. years ago, if you went to a therapist, it was like you didn't want to tell anyone. Now everybody talks about their therapist. Right. Coaching is kind of the new thing that people are, that's kind of just making its way into society, and people aren't really sure about it now. Why do I need a coach? Why can't I just do the thing that I said I'm going to do? How do you support people to see the value in all these things? Because you see the value as you do them. I think what makes it a little different is for the coaching aspect and the clients that I, you know, work with in the coaching aspect is because 
the system that I developed is something that I've actually gone through myself. And, you know, also seeing my other, you know, other clients that I'm working through going through this actual system. It's not a system that I like created out of the blue. It's something that I've been going through my entire life. And what I see with my clients in my private practice and my coaching business is that they want someone that is authentic and real. And they want to hear that we ourselves as coaches have struggled and that we're not embarrassed or ashamed to talk about it. And so I really find value in that and have really seen clients where I am more vulnerable to share who I am succeed more than clients where I kind of shy up and not talk about everything. Um, Because what clients, what people want is stories. They want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's starting from, you know, ground zero with the people that I work with. And for anyone that's listening, you know, here right now is it's starting from ground zero and really figuring out what you want and what is it going to take for you to get there. And nine times out of 10, people will say, I need an objective person who is just going to support me with no judgment and is going to be in my corner throughout this entire journey. It's cool to hear you say it. I hear the same feedback from my clients, which mm-hmm. one of their favorite things about working with me is my willingness to share where I've stumbled and fallen, where yeah. I've made huge mistakes, where I've done things that I would say are wrong or not, you know, not in integrity with the person I want to be. And when I share those, it's often the thing that they find most supportive. Mm -hmm. And I'm always surprised. I'm always like, I I don't know that I want to share because it's, this is their space. And then I get feedback that it was one of the most helpful things. So it's cool to hear another person share that and where it comes from. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. And you have to be careful, obviously, as coaches and therapists, like we have, we have boundaries we have to set, you know, with everyone and making sure that, yeah, we're not putting the focus on us, but I, I completely agree with you. The, the most work that I have seen from my clients is because I've been able to be vulnerable and share my story. As a, as a coach and as a mindset coach and a therapist, mm-hmm. if you met somebody on the street and they were like, oh, I haven't done either, curious about both, and they had, and obviously they're, they want... They want to change things about their life because obviously that's why you would want either one for some one reason or another. How would you direct them towards choosing? That is a great question because I really, I had to think about that myself when I went into this entrepreneurship is like, what is the difference between therapy and coaching? And what I tell people is therapy is more, um, you know, based on the past Um, working through some really difficult, hard issues, and it's really more structured. Um, I guess it's, it's more, I feel like, in the past. And it takes a while to get through the past then and then focus on the here and now. Whereas coaching is completely different. It's not as what I want to say, I don't want to say the word strict, but like if my client wants to go and meet at the beach and just talk and walk and that kind of stuff, we can do that. Whereas with therapy, we can't, we have to be in an office and there's no diagnosis that goes with coaching. Does that make sense? Like I don't have to do a a mental health diagnosis when it comes to therapy. And Also with coaching, I have, you know, when I, with my clients, there's a specific program that I do with my clients. Now it's individually based, but it's the same program. It's the five steps that every single one of my clients goes through. And it's focused on the here and now feeling stuck. Sometimes the past comes up, but it's not like the in-depth work that I have to do with, you know, with other patients or with other clients. Um, and it's more free reign, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, I want to touch on, I want to hear the five, I want to hear the five steps that I want to, I just, I think my, I clarify it super for people also when it sounds similar. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, I don't want people to think every coach is going to walk them on the beach and have talks about them. Because I've heard of people doing that and I've, I've done, um, I've met people in, in places and like done our coaching sessions. I, it's cool how you describe it though. I always view it. The simplest explanation is like therapy is often we're, we're talking about the past to support us in the present. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you just hit on like the diagnosable stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. coaching is a future based. We're actually right. designing and building a future from where we are to get us to where we want to be. Right. So Exactly. I want to hear about the five-step system, and I also want to hear where you want to be, what the next big audacious goals that you're trying to build. Okay, great. I love it. Um, I get super excited when I talk about this system. So um, it's actually called um, You Are Enough, The Five Steps to Move from Struggle to Strength. And um, basically, I created the the title, um, after my divorce, I got a tattoo on my collarbone that says I am enough. And it's kind of been one of my visual affirmations that I look at and just going through the process of what does that mean that I'm enough. And when I started this entrepreneur, um, journey, my business coach and I were talking about, well, what do you want this to look like? What do you want to do for your clients? And And my story just kept coming up. So the first step of what I, you know, created is what I call um, a deep dive, discovering, you know, who you truly are. And so I take, you know, clients through what I call a deep dive. So we're looking at what is that nudging feeling? What is holding you back? What do you want in your life? I take them through a bunch of different exercises to help them really get empowered about identifying where they're stuck and then getting them excited about the next step, which is visualizing your passion and purpose. What is going to get you excited to get out of bed every single morning? Whether it be career, relationships, health, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. I take them through different exercises, different worksheets, for them to start visualizing what it looks like for their life. And that is super powerful because they can actually start creating this life that they envisioned. And then the third step is what I call grounding yourself. Because when we decide, when we identify the things that we want in our life, that is the biggest time when our negative thoughts start flowing into our mind. Well, but yeah, this is what I want, but guess what? It's never going to happen. I can't do it because of money. I'm never going to get that promotion because I'm not good enough. I'm going to be single forever. And so I really help clients ground those negative thoughts by giving them a lot of grounding tools and helping them realize that when we say that we can't do something, we're going to stay stuck. And so helping them ground those fears and really get that confidence and that clarity to go after the life that they want. And then the fourth step is creating your strength plan. So this includes things like self-care. What am I going to do for my health, mind, body, soul? What am I going to do for you know, releasing stress? Is it working out? Is it meditation? And so I have them try a bunch of different things for them to figure out what their self-care routine is going to be. And it also includes morning routine, time management, all of these things that are going to strengthen, you know, the person, mind, body, and soul. And then the last step, step five is what I call um, our maintenance plan. So once we start this journey and we're starting to use our tools and we're able to you know, combat the negative thoughts that we have and the limiting beliefs, we can get on a roll and we kind of sometimes can get complacent because yes, things happen, our negative thoughts creep in, but we have those skills that we can use to get over that. And what I like to refer to as the maintenance plan is what I went through with my ex-husband. 
So I had all these skills for so many years. And then all of a sudden, here I am back at square one. And I had to remind myself of the skills that I've learned years and years ago. And so the maintenance plan is accountability and keeping yourself aware of all of these skills, even when things go wrong. And so that's the five steps. I love it. They're super, you explain it at least very simply there. I mean, it's, it sounds like the five facets of a diamond in a way, like mm-hmm. you hit on all the different aspects of a human being. It's, it's, it's very cool. Cause I think when, what I love about the different people that are doing work like this in the world is it always is magical how it comes back around to being very similar. Mm-hmm. But what you described is so similar to what I do. And now you do it in a different way. I don't have a five, quote unquote, five step system. And mm-hmm. it's not laid out like this. And I think there's, you know, famous people out there that are writing books and, and talking on stages for plenty of money that do something really similar too. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool because it gives people the opportunity to find the person that they really see as their person. Right. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that. That was awesome. And people can clearly do that. Obviously, it's the same. I would, I would always encourage people to do it with the support of a coach or a therapist or, or somebody that is actually standing for them powerfully. Yes. But it's, there is a little bit of a, someone could play with this right off the bat and just take a, almost like a taste mm-hmm. of what it to do these steps. So now what about you? What's <laughs> your big, crazy, audacious dream that you're working on creating? So right now I'm in the midst of writing a book, same title as my program. So um, You Are Enough, Five Steps to Turn Struggle into Strength. And it's been super powerful and I'm super excited to get it out. Um, And then also my big dream is to start speaking more. Um, I do speaking gigs here and there, but just really getting out there and sharing my heart and sharing my story to empower others. So that's my big goal is once my book comes out, it's just traveling all over and, and speaking. What's the, what's the biggest hurdle or challenge that you're facing in, bo- in this speaking and book creation? Time management, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's, um, you know, and setting boundaries. So like, you know, when someone wants to book an appointment, I have, you know, specific office hours and, or times to see people. And then I find myself, no, I can fit you in here. I can fit you in there when it's supposed to be my time to write, um, or, you know, reach out to people for booking speaking gigs. So it's really, that's my biggest hurdle right now is time management and setting boundaries so that I can get the things done that I need to do. So if we took you out of your own space and you were, and I'm you, and I just say, Hey, I'm trying to write this book and I'm trying to do these speaking gigs, but I keep sliding clients into those spots and I'm not, I'm not being responsible for what I said I was going to do at the certain times. What would you, what might you say to me or give me? Well, and this is the funny part about being a coach is like, and sometimes I, and I write about this in my book, like sometimes I feel like a fraud, right? Because it's so much, it's so easy to like give people advice, but we don't follow it ourselves. And so, and I'm really working at this about reminding yourself of what you want in life. And that if you don't set those boundaries, that your life is going to suffer in a way that you're not going to make your dreams and your timeline and those kind of things a reality because you're not putting your needs first. And so I always remind people of like the airplane analogy where they, you know, put down the mask and they tell you to put your mask on first before helping others. So I always have to remind myself of that, that I have to take care of myself to be able to take care of others. And so I just, I would really encourage people just to schedule that time in and no matter how hard it is to stick to that schedule as much as you can. (laughs) But life does happen. That's the other thing. Yeah. Well, what's your accountability for how are you going to do this? Cause you just, you know, I was laughing when at first when you said it, 
it because I was like, yeah, you're lying by the pool. Of course you're not reading your book. I would be lying <laughs> by the pool too. Um, right. <laughs> and obviously I'm, I'm teasing, but uh, yeah, how are you going to, what's the thing for you that's going to have it go different? Well, and it's funny that you say that. And so it's also about balance. And so today I would never be at the pool right now, but I have friends visiting in Michigan from Michigan. And so in my head, I'm like, it's okay to not be on your schedule today because this is self-care. You need that time with your friends. Um, And so for me, I have accountability people. I have um, someone that I have been working with about my book. And so they're keeping me accountable about, you know, where I'm at time frame wise. Um, also sharing my, my dreams and the time frame with the people that I trust and that I care about because they're like, Hey Megan, how is this going? How is that going? How are your workouts going? You know? So like I really have reached out to, especially since I started entrepreneurship, the people that I know, you know, care about me and want to see me succeed they're also accountability. And so that has been the biggest piece for me is finding those accountability people. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Cause we, we have this belief, a lot of us do at least that we can do these things by ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's just not possible. No. I mean, if, if people saw the amount of phone calls in my calendar yeah. that are not clients, but are support structures, accountability structures, um, and some of them are, are simply relationship and connection to, to practice that because that's this business. That is anything that you are working with people is relationship. And I think people don't see it. They don't mm-hmm. see that if you want to do something, whether you're Elon Musk or us or anyone else in the world, nobody does it alone. Right. Everybody's structures look different, but actually creating structures to hold you accountable, get you the support, the love, the well-being that you need is vital. It's so important. So very important. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for accountability partners. Yeah. Thanks for, um, thanks for the vulnerability in the sharing. You know, letting, <laughs> me, letting, me, letting me really like start this conversation with all the low points on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, and really letting actually people see the things you've gone through that it, and that you're not better or worse or your life is harder or less hard than anyone else's. But hey, right. this is just what you've been through and this mm-hmm. is where you're at and actually letting us start there and look at your life from there. And you're ridiculously positive. I mean, just the tone <laughs> of your voice is like fun Thank to be you. with. It's, it's light and playful and yet really powerful. You can feel the energy coming through on this end. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's, it took me a long time to become vulnerable, but I know that just like you said, everyone's story is different. And if I can help one person in creating the life that they truly desire, then being vulnerable to thousands and thousands of people is, has made it all worth it to me. If people, if this resonated for people, if people are curious about, you know, either of your practices or just maybe about like, Hey, connecting and what are the best ways for them to actually connect with you? So, um, my website, um, they can go to, um, www.missionstrengthsd. So Sandy, like San Diego, S is in Sam, D is in dog.com. And they can book a free consultation. It's what I call a 30-minute discovery call. They can also go, um, I have a blog on my website, as well as a ton of free, amazing resources, workbooks, guides, tools that they can download. Um, so I'd really you know, encourage them to go to the website. Um, and then on there is my email. And um, I'm also on Instagram. It's just my name, Megan.Fenyo, M-E-G-A-N dot F as in Frank, E-N-Y-O-E. I was going to say, you're going to have to spell that for people. I know. (laughs) I was like, is she going to spell this? Yes, Uh, I will. I'll I'll post all those things in in the notes uh, on the podcast so people don't have to, if if you couldn't write that stuff down fast enough, just 
click on the links that I put up. Yeah, I know it's long. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks for, thanks for giving us so much and just really so much of yourself and giving us, you know, you shared two tools besides your story. You just, you actually, I just have it that you gave so much of yourself to us today. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me on your podcast and for all the amazing work that you are doing for people. I know that I've been following you for a while and it was an honor that you asked me to be on your podcast. And I know how inspiring you have been in your posts and things that I have seen. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thanks. Thanks for saying it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get you back when you write this book. I know. My goal is June. So I'm saying that as accountability for all of you out there hearing, listening to this, but we'll see. So everyone listening, uh, (laughs) when you get to like May, I want everyone to go on her website and send her an email being like, what's up with the book? Yes. (laughs) No, that was a huge accountability thing. I can't believe I just said that, but that's what I need. I need that accountability. So. Well, I'm writing a book also, so if you want any, if you want to connect, and we can discuss where we get stopped, because hey, I, anyone out there that's written a book, I think I think everybody has a book in them, at least one. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter if you have it in you and you know the thing. The actual putting one foot in front of the other each and every day and getting that book from an idea into a finished product is is a mountain, and it can yes. be a fun one. It can be a struggle. It can be whatever you relate to it, but. Right. If you have people on your team, it's going to be a way better experience. Well, yeah, we will definitely have to connect. All right. And help each other get this done. <laughs> I'm down. All right. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Alex. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.